Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clarity Report. I'm your host, Kyle Verpone. I'm your Clarity Coach. And today, we have a very special guest, a friend of mine who I cannot wait to introduce and cannot wait to tell a backstory on this one, my good friend, Roosevelt Sledge. Roosevelt, how are you today? I'm good, man. I can't complain. How about you? Oh, I'm excellent, man. I have to tell everybody. Yeah, I have to to tell everybody the story, though. um, Yeah, absolutely. You and I first met. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So Roosevelt and I met on a networking app about mm-hmm. five years ago. And I love this story because at the time I was working in New York City at an advertising agency, really wasn't digging what I was doing. Hey. Um, you were working at Apple, mm-hmm. uh, but you were also uh, an artist. You were also doing your, your R&B rapping. Um, hey. And you were trying to, you know, get out there and, and make it happen, but, you know, juggling the full-time job and I was doing the same thing. And, you know, five, fast forward five short years later, um, you know, I'm the founder of To The Next Step, as you guys already know. And what are you doing these days? Yo, I am the owner and founder of Rising Over Envy LLC, which is a full service entertainment company that handles all of my own uh, record label uh, touring, film, and TV syncs, uh, all for my own music career. That is, see, that's phenomenal. And I think this is a great, a great conversation to have today because, you know, we both were in spots that we didn't really want to be in and we for both, sure. you know, we're trying to get, got to get ahead and, you know, now we're running our own companies, which I think is great. Um, so we love to talk about mindset on this show. Right. So what I would love to ask you about is you had a job, and yet you still were pursuing a career that society would probably say was, you know, risky, um, unrealistic, For sure. uh, inconsistent, you know, and again, we, we talk about that a lot on the show because I, you know, society sucks. Um, and it's kind of <laughs> that, you know, they're always trying to push you to that safe ground and that's not where you and I operate. Um, so can you talk about what was your mindset when you were working at Apple, but you knew that you could do better things? Hey, I think uh, the biggest thing during that time frame that helped kind of shape my mindset was I understood that um, in order to get started, you know, and to do music at the level that I wanted to, ultimately, it was going to take money and funding in order to do that. And, you know, with the music industry being something that's very risky, um, a lot of times you have to self-fund to start off, you know, to really build things up. So, Um, I looked at my time at Apple as that, as an opportunity to uh, not only secure the funds that I would need to take care of everyday life, but also to be able to put into my music career to help take things to the next level. Um, And then I was also in a very unique um, role um, when I worked for the company that allowed me to create some networking opportunities um, with some of the, you know, small, medium and large corporations within the New York City market. Um, and some of those happen to be music companies or music related companies and services. So um, I just really looked at my time there as like an opportunity to learn, um, you know, from one of the top companies in the world um, to learn some unique skills that I can apply to my personal business. And then also using that funding um, for that to accelerate my music career. I think that's great. I think that's a great lesson for everyone, because one of the things that I talk about is, you know, you can have a dream and you can have goals but it's not realistic to say I'm going to quit my full-time job. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that that's sometimes, you know, people think to themselves like, Oh, I, you know, I got to quit my job or I want to quit my job, but whatever you want to do is not going to move as fast as you want it to move. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think you and I would agree that even though our companies are finally in a state that we're, you know, somewhat pleased about, 
you know, it didn't move as fast as we would have wanted. <laughs> Those five years felt like forever. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and I think it's important that people realize that, that, you know, and I think it's great because what you did was not only did you keep the full-time job, but you used it to your advantage. And I think that that's a great lesson because I think there's a lot of people out there that want to do something else, but, you know, kind of have a negative mindset towards their current job. You know, they're saying, oh, I hate my job. And they're not really, you know, thinking about, well, how can I use it to my advantage? Absolutely. I have to cut you off, but I think the key to that is finding and doing something that pairs well with your passion. So um, what's really great about Apple is it's a very creative environment. So when I went into it, I started there when I was in Chicago before I even moved to New York. I went into it because a friend of mine who was also in music was like, hey, man, like, this is a really great opportunity to to build and also still maintain your you know your music career and grow. So um, it's it's really just having that mindset of all right, if your current work situation doesn't align with what you know or, or isn't allowing you to do the things you need to do in your passion project, you know where it starts off as you're building your business. I think sometimes it's just you know dialing back and kind of setting the proper expectations of maybe I need to find something that will allow me to still have hours at a time to focus on my music career or whatever that career is. So I think, you know, it is important to have the right mindset, but sometimes you just have to be in the right situation, which I think you and I both can relate. You know, we were in roles and companies that actually paired very well with the businesses and things that we were looking to build outside outside of and to, to take to the next level. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. So what is it like now to you know operate so i guess my first question is be what, what type of music would you say you do there i always always uh categorize it as it's boom bap jazz raps and it's a mixture of hip-hop you know the golden era of hip-hop and some jazz and soul influences kind of meshed together so it has a very conscious message a very positive message um to allow and you know hopefully allow the listeners to hear it become inspired and then you know take next steps in their lives or whatever to to be a better person than they were when they before they heard the song and after. Yeah. So you're really focused on the message that you send out, you know, and you're really about positivity. Do you find it to be difficult because other people are producing similar music that is not positive? You know, we see a lot of music being produced with a lot of foul language and a lot of vulgar statements and obviously it's not all like that. But do you find that that's kind of an uphill battle for you because somebody look at you and say, oh, he's a rapper. He must rap about all these things. And you're really not like that. Like, is that an uphill battle for you? Um, early on, it was, you know, it really was. And I think that was just that had a lot to do with myself more so than the person that was projecting that opinion. Um, I really had to become comfortable in my own skin and in my own artistry to say, hey, even though what I make isn't, you know, as, you know, it isn't in alignment with what mainstream uh, rap is these days. I was still confident enough in the in the thing and the product, so to say, that I was presenting, that I knew it could resonate with someone. Um, when I was in high school, um, I went to a vocational school, and one of the things I took all throughout high school was business classes, all four years. And one of my years there, uh, I read in a, a book, a textbook about how Russell Simmons started Def Jam, and his mindset was. If he can find 10, 100, 1,000 people that like the music they were making, that there's a million people out there, he just needed to figure out how to get in front of those people. So I still apply that. You know, that's a, a junior year 
uh, of high school lesson that I still apply to this day. You know, even though there's so much, you know, and there's other things and other noise happening in, in mainstream hip hop. I just know that my music is going to resonate with someone and I've been using unique avenues and ways to get in front of those people so they can be exposed to the music and, you know, hopefully become my evangelist to tell others about it um, and take things to the next level. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I think it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's hard, I think just in general to get in front of people and it's very frustrating when you have a message and you want to get it in front of people, but you just can't figure it out. So you just Absolutely. got to keep kind of pushing, you know, I'm, I'm creating all sorts of content because I'm not sure what the people want just yet. You know, yeah, I, I sure. the podcast, is it a video? Um, so I think that's a great lesson for our listeners. So I've been following you on Instagram and I noticed that you perform in London. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got a chance to do some international touring. Um, sure. Now, how did that happen? Because it almost from, from my side, Mm-hmm. Not really talking to you during that time, just following you on Instagram. It almost seems like you made it in London before you made it in America. <laughs> you know what? You're ap- it, it's absolutely true. That's exactly what happened. So, um, you know, you know, we were in, in New York City. So, of course, you know, you're around people from all parts of the world. And um, during that time frame, um, you know, I was, you know, constantly pushing my music, of course, and I got reached out to by a company that was putting together an event in New York City that they wanted me to perform at. And I'll be honest, it I kind of blew the opportunity off to begin with, because um, in my opinion, it didn't feel as appealing. Um, and me and my team, we were just kind of like, you know, I have a very small, like my manager, a, a day-to-day uh, person that I work with. So it was a very small team, and we just didn't think the opportunity was what was presented was was worth it. So we kind of like blew it off. Um, fast forward, their team, I mean, they were, for lack of a better term, they were hounding. They just kept saying like, please, you know, please participate in our event, please participate in our event. And it was one of those things where it, it wasn't a paid event. So that's, you know, and at that time, you know, I'm still building on, you know, the early parts of, of, of my career, my company. So I was like, I don't know if I wanted to take that risk. So, you know, Finally, uh, you know, one of the team members reached out to me again and was like, hey, he sent me a really long message as to why it would be, you know, beneficial, not only for myself and just how excited they would be to have me a part of it. So I decided, you know what, I'll take that chance and I'll do it. Um, so we ended up, uh, you know, me and a couple of my bandmates uh, ended up playing the show together. Um, and then in that opportunity, they offered me a chance to go back to London to play a bigger event that they were putting on in London. Um, where they ended up covering all my expenses and paying me to fly out there to play the show. So, you know, as crazy as that sounds, it, it took, you know, an opportunity where um, it was, I I was like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. But yet it ended up turning out to be a, a major opportunity because once I landed that, that gave me reach, you know, in another market that then brought in other contacts and connects that ended up allowing me to tour throughout other parts of Europe. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was, you know, even those opportunities that don't look like they can be gold, um, ended up turning out to be something that was game changing for my entire career. So really, I mean, you're right. Cause it's all about being open-minded, you know, sure. I mean, I've had sure. things where I didn't think much was going to come out of it. And then something sure. great came out of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, I've, I've done research before I've done things before. Um, but it's interesting to hear you say that you were ready to turn down an opportunity. I mean, I guess my first question really would be like, you know, why did you feel like you were in a position to turn down one? Because I would think that, 
someone in your position would just say yes to everything, but that doesn't seem like that's what you do. So why is that not such a good idea to always say yes to everything? Hey, I mean, the, the biggest thing was, you know, we were already starting to build momentum and touring here in the States a little bit, especially out on the East coast and, and headed South. And then of course, like my home region in the Midwest. So we had established a good system in place in terms of touring. And then even from a financial standpoint, things were starting to pick up from, you know, a, you know, just what we were making off touring, mm -hmm. you know, in those markets that it kind of put us in a better position to turn, not say yes to everything, um, but, it, you know, at least turn down the things that didn't align with what we were trying to build at that time. Um, but what I also learned in that process of saying no to things was it creates a value behind your product and, and what you're building. And I, I just, you know, at that time, I didn't think an unpaid show with um, a company that I wasn't familiar with or my my team wasn't familiar with or wasn't, you know, big here in the U.S. was was worth the time and the risk. Um, but once we kind of like shifted out of that mindset and, and opened up the dialogue and the conversation, um, we quickly got to see just how important that opportunity was. So um, I was just saying no, because I just felt like where we were, there wasn't value and it didn't align with you mm -hmm. know what we were building. Um, but, you know, obviously I, I and I, I admitted to that team that I was wrong, you know, that this ended up being a, and I still have a great relationship with all of them, you know, and, you know, before all of the pandemic things happened, um, we, you know, we always had a great relationship. Every time I'm over there, they find ways to get me shows and things like that. So, uh, yeah, man, it was it was just really thinking that where I was, it didn't align with the value that I was building. Um, but, yeah, I, I can also admit that, you know, I was wrong in that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting I, when you talk about value, because I think it's a mindset thing, right? Because when you start out, you take everything you can get, you say yes to everything, you want to sure. do everything, you want to partner with everybody, and then you gain some success and more people want to work with you. Absolutely. You, you have to protect your time. For sure. So, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of people that reach out to you. How do you protect your time? Like what is kind of a, I guess in a general sense, what would you mm -hmm. say is like kind of a, a barometer? Like if somebody comes out to you and says, Hey, I want you to be a part of this. Like, do they have to go, do you send them through somebody else first? Do they have to answer a list of questions? Like what's that barrier to make sure that you're not wasting your time? Yeah. I think for a lot of the, you know, opportunities that reach out that I don't necessarily have a personal relationship with, it's all vetted by my management team. They kind of do their due diligence to comb through and make sure the opportunity is even worth us investing the time in it. Um, you know, for me, if it's something where, you know, even if it's something as small as a friend wanting to have a conversation or, or you know, a close colleague or acquaintance or someone wants to have you know, a conversation for me, the biggest thing is what's the value proposition for both of us? Will we both get something out of this? You know, I'm not selfish to say like, hey, I have to benefit. I also want to make sure that I'm bringing some kind of value to whatever the ask or task is as well. So um, my thing is really just more so the value that I can give and also get from it. Is it worth it? Um, and if it doesn't pass that test, then for me, it's not worth my time. Um, if it becomes a situation where I feel like I'm giving more than I'm receiving, again, it, it, it may seem harsh, but again, something like that isn't worth my time or where I'm receiving more than I can give. Like mm. it's, it's, it, 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 for me, it's all about finding that, that sweet spot and that balance to make sure that both sides are 
getting something and a bang for their buck, so to say, in that opportunity. So um, there's no blanket way to do that. I think every opportunity is going to be unique, but you definitely have to have some parameters in place to know, you know, what's actually going to kind of filter through and, and become a thing that you take on and what becomes a situation where you just have to flat out say no. Yeah. I mean, I can, I, I think that's good. And I think it's not so much about being harsh, right? Like I think it's they, really about, um, you know, understanding in a sense that, you know, you do unfortunately have to be very guarded with your time. You, have, sure. to, you have to make sure that you're spending it correctly because you only have so much of it. So Absolutely. what you has to, you know, it has to go towards your goals, right? It has to go towards that. And I think, you know, that's something I've learned kind of the hard way is spending a lot of time having conversations with people that, you know, are just not, you know, it's not beneficial. For sure. So, you know, I, one of the things I wanted to bring up, and I just had it in my mind and then it left me, but one of the things I wanted to ask was when you, now you're, you're working for yourself, do you ever find, I don't want to say a lack of motivation, but do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're like, you know, if I stop working right now and I just watch TV till for the rest of the day, like no, nothing would happen. And it's not, and, and long-term something would happen. But do you ever find yourself like struggling now that you don't have a boss telling you what to do? And now you're kind of your own boss and you have to get things done and you have to stay disciplined and motivated. Like, was that a struggle to transition into that? And do you still struggle with that at all or not really? Hey, absolutely. Like early on, like knowing that I had to be the person to keep me accountable um, was, was tough because, you know, you think about when you're in a work environment, there's someone who's paid to do that, right? You know, you have superiors and managers and supervisors that are in place, not only to help guide the overall shit, but also to make sure that all the working parts are working, you know? And when you move out of that environment, you realize just how important something like that is to be able to make sure that you're managing your time correctly. Um, you're handling the tasks that you need to handle. Um, so early on, it was tough because, you know, after spending so many years in an environment where you're constantly working, like you want to break, like you want to be able to chill and you want to be able to relax. But then, you know, that reality check kicks in that yeah, this moment may feel great to sit and binge on Netflix for, you know, a few hours. But in the long term, I just lost a few hours to be able to build um, upon my business. So um, that was tough early on. Now I'm kind of in a, a good sweet spot of being able to, to balance, you know, that work-life balance, so to say. Um, it's a lot easier now with COVID because touring was very big for me. So um, having sort of this downtime to focus on other, you know, parts of the business and things that we can build upon and even pivot to, um, it's pretty cool. But I still find ways to say, you know, you know what, I'm going to chill for an hour and just, you know, you know, maybe just do nothing. Like I have a Every day on my calendar, I have a do nothing break for one hour. That's no phone, no computer, no talking to anyone, nothing. It's just me sitting in stillness and just kind of giving myself just that mental break. But, you know, it, it just takes a, some discipline to not get too lost in those moments. I think that's fantastic. You know, I, I've, you know, I, I would say I still do, but I used to take like an hour lunch break. I used to watch an episode of Netflix. And this week I've kind of sacrificed that. Uh, because the actual act of eating lunch takes me five minutes. Exactly. So, the rest of it is like, so the you get like, it's funny. Like sometimes you like get in this mode, right? Where you're like, you know, I could eat lunch for 10 minutes and watch a quick YouTube video while I do it. And then get right back to work. Yep. But then the problem is, is that 
you find yourself all of a sudden like five, six o'clock and you're exhausted because you never took a break. Absolutely. <laughs> so here's something that I want to ask you because I think you would be able to relate to this a lot more than other people would. For sure. So you and I are creatives, right? That might be the only thing we have in common. We are creative. <laughs> For sure. And my question is, is that what I struggle with is I will start work at 7, 8 a.m. I'll work till about 6 when I have dinner. But my problem is, is that I really can't work in the evenings anymore because not, most of my work is creative. I either have to write a blog post, I have to do client work, I have to do coaching, I have to do the podcast. It's all creative stuff. And if I do that when I'm tired, my output will suffer, my quality will suffer. So unless I have mindless work, which I don't have a lot of anymore, I'm really kind of done by six o'clock because I don't want to do that, that work in the evenings. And sometimes I feel guilty not working in the evenings, even though I work six days a week. I mean, I work a full day on Saturday. I work six days a week. I've been doing that for like four years now, but yeah. now I don't work in the evenings anymore. Like, do you find that, you know, all right, do you find that like in the evenings you're tired, you're not as creative, so you need to chill out and do you, like, how do you, do you struggle with that the way I do? Oh, uh, you know what? It's crazy because, because, you know, in, you know, in the music industry, a lot of your work really kicks off at night. Like if I'm going to the studio, I usually try to go like midday afternoon. That's only because like my mental clock has was established that way when I was trying to balance uh, working full time and, and music. So I, I always felt more creative at night. Um, I think for me, my struggle is the mornings because I do try to get work done in the evenings and at nights. And that's usually where I can get my most writing and recording done. So the mornings where I have to wake up early to, to do more admin stuff, to talk to my team um, and to build from that part, that's where it's a little tough for me because for me, I, I still act more as a creative and uh, mindset sometimes on how I work. So the night times are usually easier for me and it's usually the mornings and, and where we're doing a little bit more admin stuff that becomes a little bit tough. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it it's the price uh, that we pay um, in order to, uh, you know, to live the life that we live. So um, it was one of those things where I just had to make that sacrifice and kind of train myself to be better at it. You know, I'm still working through that, um, but I've definitely gotten a lot better from when I first started. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, so I, I think you're in a little bit of a different boat. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, it. you know, I read a quote once that I really liked, and I don't think I've shared it yet on this show. Um, it was, I mean, I won't tell the whole thing, but it was basically the story of two um, tribes who had to walk the same distance. And one tribe walked the same amount every day, no matter what. And one tribe walked until they were completely out of gas through, you know, at all times. And basically it was the tribe that were tribe that walked a consistent amount every day that won because they rested and all that stuff. So I think that's something I try to do because sometimes I'll say to myself, Oh, I can get, cause today was a great example. Like I finished something up about five fifteen, and I knew I had this at six and I was like, Oh, I could do this task. But I was like, if I don't, if I do it now, it's not going to be high quality. Absolutely. And I think that <laughs> to me, if it's not going to be high quality, why am I doing it? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I would love for you to speak a little bit now um, as we're, we're kind of coming down the home stretch. Can you speak to any of our listeners out there who are thinking about taking a similar path to you? Um, you know, maybe it's something in music. 
um, or even something just in creative. Maybe it's acting. Maybe it's something. Because really what I'm getting at is that what you've done is very difficult. And it's something that not only is it difficult to do, but it's difficult to do because a lot of people are going to give you a million reasons why you shouldn't do it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I think that's, kind of, and that's why, you know, there's somebody I have in mind for the show. She's an actor. I want to bring her on at some point. Um, because I, I think like, and I know, and I even think I know that society will give you a million reasons not to do something, you know, sometimes you kind of have to keep that to yourself. So sure. what kind of advice would you give somebody out there who wants to do what you're doing? They're working full time. Maybe they got a little momentum or maybe they're thinking about going into this. What would you say? Um, I would say, you know, the biggest thing is don't be afraid to go at it alone. Um, and understanding that everyone's not going to, um, have the same level of optimism about your goals and your dreams. And that's just the natural nature of it. You know, we were given the, these thoughts, dreams, and ideas of what we want to build. And everyone's not going to see that picture that way, no matter how much you explain it, you know, how, no matter how much energy you exhaust in trying to get them to see things from your view, they're just not going to do it. So you have to know that going into it, that it's going to be a very lonely building process. And if you can, get past that, everything becomes easier because then you start caring less about opinions. Um, you start caring less about what other people have to say um, about what you're building. Um, and, and what you start to realize is a lot of that isn't necessarily a reflection on what you're building. It's just things that they're personally dealing with. People can't understand things that they can't accomplish. So if they feel like they can't in their minds, then they're looking at you like, well, what makes you think you can do that? You know, and um, you know, you have to not allow people to project their fears on you and just be prepared to go at it alone and go at it, at, you know, within that that same drive that you have in your heart that says, hey, this is what I want to do. You have to maintain that throughout the process, understanding what your why is, remembering that at all times and just giving that same consistency each day towards building those goals. I love it. I absolutely love it. So tell us, where can we find you? And then on, you can also send us your links. We'll throw them in the show notes. Um, but where can people follow you if they want to keep up to date? Hey, um, at Rising Over Envy on all social media platforms. Um, I'm also an artist that directly engaged uh, with my audience via text message. So every show that I play, every place that I'm at, I'm constantly giving out my phone number because I want to engage with others. So if you want to connect and you want to learn a little bit more about what I do and see how I can help, textroe.com, textroe.com. Leave your number there and I'll shoot you a text. And uh, yeah, we can build from there. Excellent. And normally we would sign off now, but I can't believe I didn't ask this question. Can you tell us what Rise Over Envy means and why you cre why you chose that? Yeah, so uh, I can't believe we didn't talk about that. Uh, yeah, no worries, As man. you were saying, and I'm like, why did you not ask him? He said it in the beginning and you just let him go right past it. No, nah, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, so Rising Over Envy um, is actually an acronym that came from my real name is Roosevelt, obviously. And uh, everyone called me Ro for short. And when I was trying to think of an artist's name, I wanted something that would reflect um, my mission and my goals um, and, and things that I wanted to um, accomplish and also portray the positive message um, in the music. And I think rising over envy is very um, important because no matter what you're doing, you know, we just talked about it. If you have a dream, if you have a goal, um, there are things that you're going to have to overcome and rise above to accomplish those things. And, you know, it may not just be right. It may not just be envy. It could be anything, you know, but, you know, it's something that you're going to have to push through and rise above. And, and I always wanted my name to be 
a mission statement. And I think it aligns perfectly with um, the things that I'm doing and the things that I'm, I'm accomplishing is I have to rise above and rise over things every day um, to continue to push towards success. Excellent. I love it. I'm glad we were able to get that in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the interview with Mr. Roosevelt Sledge. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. We are growing our audience. I've been getting your messages. If you're digging this show, please give us a five-star review. I uh, was told by somebody you can't do that on Google Play. So if you can't, go to my Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, at Kyle G Speaks. Throw a like on the, on the photo. Share the link with somebody on LinkedIn. You know, do something because we're really, we're really trying to build something here. Um, we got another episode coming up next week, as always. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you what it is because at the moment I'm thinking about bumping this interview up because uh, that's what we do here. We fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, <laughs> like I said, this is not the most professional podcast, but it is the most real podcast. Absolutely. So thank you once again, uh, Roosevelt. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, remember, I'll be absolutely clear about what you want in life. Goodbye now.